0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Yeah, here we go. Here we go again, folks. We are back with you for the White Rose Resistance Hour. I'm your host, Stuart Howe. This is show number 73. Thank you to RBN. Today is August 13th, 2022. And I have got an amazing guest for you today. Just absolutely astounding uh, individual. He's such an inspiration, has been for decades for me. And I'm so happy to be able to share him with you. He's waiting in the green room. His name is G. Edward Griffin. Uh, Many of you know him by his uh, amazing work. Uh, One of the pieces of that work is a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And it is uh, the compelling story about the formation of the Federal Reserve banking system and how that was uh, conjured into existence and what it represents. Uh, who formed it, why they formed it, what it is a tangent of, the agenda behind it, and how uh, the banking tangent of the agenda has unfolded for us here, and uh, now how we can see it unfolding in the rest of the world since the book has been written. Um, All of the things in it are uh, unassailable truth, Uh, and and it's an amazing honor to have uh, Mr. G. Edward Griffin, with us today before I bring him in I want to let you know that next week is no exception uh, to the rule of uh, my being able to bring you some amazing wonderful guests on this show next week I'll have Henrik and Lana from Red Ice TV they'll be on uh, next Saturday the 20th but uh, this week wow you know, I, I thought a lot, I prayed a lot about how to uh, to do this show best, how to honor Mr. Griffin, and, you know, it is it's just such a, uh, a large and compelling body of work that he's produced through his many, many years. I'm just going to bring him on and let him introduce himself a little bit, uh, because, you uh, He's such a wonderful communicator. That's that's the last thing I'll say before I bring him on, is that the level of skill and compassion and knowledge that it takes and, and a good heart to be able to communicate this perhaps most difficult subject matter, there's nobody else better at it uh, that I know of than Mr. Griffin. So with that, let me go ahead and bring him on. Uh, Mr. Griffin, are you with us? Definitely with you. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on RBN with me today, uh, Mr. Griffin. And I have the uh, the honor and privilege of having gotten to know you a little bit in person uh, some 15 years or so ago when we both uh, collaborated a little bit on a film called What in the World Are They Spraying? And it was a huge honor for me to have you reach out and invite me to lunch. And I really enjoyed spending a little time with you and So, you know, here we are again, a little further down the trail. I guess that was about 2010, and here we are in 2022. Uh, Please say hello to our audience. We have a wonderful, very uh, very educated audience. So please uh, introduce yourself, and and we can take it in any direction you like after that, sir.
2: Well, okay. That's uh, always a a puzzlement uh, as to what to say in a self-introduction. I don't know how far... You know, sometimes people say, well, I was born at a very early age, and uh, (laughs) and they start from that point. Um, Actually, uh, sometimes I think I was not born at a very early age, because it's hard for me to remember my childhood, and um, I remember a few things about it, but it seems to me that uh, it's uh, pretty serious when I jokingly say, oh, I I never was a a kid. I was was born as an adult, because uh, that's the part that really has stuck in my brain is the work I've done and the, the information I've stumbled across and the challenges that, uh, well, I have had, and so have you and so many others, in communicating information that is not well known, and that is extremely important that people do know it, and information that a lot of people don't want to hear. So that's the challenge. How do you get, get across the um, the barrier when you have information which you really want people to know about not not for your purposes or anything selfish, but because of you you care, you care about humanity, you care about the future, uh, your grandkids, your kids, even yourself in old age. so I don't know, I'm not telling you much about myself except a little bit of how I think. So let me see. I'll just say that i'm a I'm a guy that um, went to school. And I uh, was very fortunate I came from a broken family, very fortunate in that I was taken in by my aunt, Aunt Alice, who was a school teacher. And uh, all of a sudden my life changed when I was taken in at the age of, I'm thinking probably around nine or ten. And um, had I not been rescued by my aunt and my grandmother, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today probably wouldn't even be alive today but from that point forward i had a good sound um, uh, family or family life middle class very definitely middle class lower end of it back in those days school teachers did not really get paid very much but aunt alice was in it for just the love of teaching children so anyway I, i came up in that kind of an environment and um for some reason, which we don't need to go in here, to into here, is that I wound up being a child actor in Detroit, and uh, there weren't many of us. But uh, I just happened to stumble across an opportunity to learn about radio techniques when I was a kid, and um, so I stuck with it. And the first thing you know, when programs that were radio programs that were generated out of Detroit, when they came along and they were looking for a a, a youngster's voice. I quite often would get the call. So that means if you hear any of these really old programs of the Lone Ranger, uh, things like that, you probably, if you hear a kid say, gosh, Dad, here come the Indians, or something, it could have been me. So um, I grew up in that environment. I, I helped to work my way through the university as a radio announcer, at WUOM in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I got uh, out of the... Uh, out of school, and I, I went to work at a local television station. And back in the days when there weren't many of them, this was WWJ TV in Detroit, a huge facility, very modern for its day. I was uh, I got a job there as a, a floor manager, had the exalted title of uh, assistant director, but it wasn't that exalted. It was just the guy on the on the studio floor that dragged cables around and threw cues wore the headset and flipped um, cards on easels so that the cameras could see different titles and that kind of thing then the military came along and I, and I went to that came out of the military a couple of two, two years later and then I went to Hollywood to make my big splash as a, as a Hollywood producer or something like that fell flat on my face um, a lot of talent there much better than mine Bright, talented kids all waiting table or or um, bussing dishes, waiting for a big, big opportunity to get into into Hollywood. And uh, by this time, I've got a beautiful wife and I've got one and a half children. Going to soon have two children to take care of. So I got wise and decided to quit going after all the glitter and uh, got a real job uh, in this service department of one of the country's largest insurance companies, and I became a a health insurance expert, and I did that for a couple of years, was climbing the corporate ladder, and it was all looking very good. I figured that someday I'd be a vice president of a big insurance company and be living high, pretty much a materialistic kid. Then I came along some startling information. I came across it in the form of some pamphlets, and these pamphlets were shaking my my whole belief system. They were telling me that things were not the way I thought they were. Uh, I was, I was, the particular one that I'm thinking of was, was a high, highly uh, critical work on the United Nations. So back in that day, of course, the, uh, I knew it was, the UN was wonderful because I'd been taught that in school. I knew that the UN was our last best hope for peace. That was how it was sort of described. But this pamphlet said, oh, no, no, no. It, uh, take the red pill, man, and uh, you know, you'll know see it's just the opposite of that. So I fought that idea. I thought, this is outrageous. The author was a unknown college professor at a Midwestern university. I don't even remember his name anymore. Somewhere in my collection I've got that little blue pamphlet. But anyway, I, I resisted the idea. Finally, one day I got the urge to go to the library and check out some books on the U.N. I, I found that most of the books were written by... U.N. people who were on the payroll or whose careers and reputations depended on their strong support for the U.N., which I thought was kind of curious. And uh, the more I read of U.N. literature itself, um, the more I became aware that what this college professor was saying was true. And then I stumbled across some other information, and believe it or not, I'm coming finally to the end of this letter, (laughs) and that is that uh, I found out that there were a lot of things out there that I thought, I knew about but in fact I discovered that what I knew was the exact opposite of the truth. So this shocked the heck out of me and I became aware that I had a crusader gene. I never knew I had it. All of a sudden I was thinking about things more important than me and how much money I could make and how good I was looking and could I climb into the executive, you know, echelons of a large corporation? Could I have a um, penthouse in New York, Do I have a chauffeur, all those things suddenly were of little value to my thinking for the future because I was thinking, you know, if, if this goes as it's continuing to go, uh, we're not going to have any of those things. Nobody's going to have those things. So I quit my job at the Equitable. My poor wife almost had uh, kittens. She said, How are we going to feed our kids and put groceries on the table and pay the rent? I said, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll find out some way. So I quit my job and started to produced little shoestring budget uh, documentary films. I recorded a couple of my own presentations on 16 millimeter film. A few years later, I formed a little company called American Media Inc., where we produced documentaries and and sold books. And then I decided to try my hand at writing a book instead of a, a film documentary. And the first book was about the United Nations, actually. And there were three or four more books, and finally, I did one on health care called World Without Cancer, uh, the story of vitamin B17, and then the one you mentioned, which was the creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve System. So there you have it. That's the complete, that's my background, that's who I am, and uh, I'll tell you who I am not. I'm not a particularly uh, intelligent guy. Uh, I have trouble remembering names and dates, like a lot of people, but I do remember lessons. And um, I've got quite a library of books that I've read. And most of that stuff I couldn't tell you in the minutia, you know, well, the, the date that this happened. Oh, was that guy's name again. But the lessons of history, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm a student of that, and I can remember that. And so that's kind of my calling card is that I try to understand what all this means. So there you have it. And uh, well, I think it's time for me to stop talking about self-introduction. And what else do you want me to talk about?
1: Well, any place you'd like to go from there. I, I so enjoyed hearing you uh, tell me a bit that I didn't know about your past, and it's it's not a surprise to me now that uh, you have some training in, in communication as a as an actor when you were young, and then a bit of an education uh, formally, and then uh, you know real true education. I've heard it said that no education of is of any value save for that one which a person gives to themselves. And, when you started learning about the, uh, United Nations, um, <clears throat> I believe, uh, pattern recognition kicked in there and you, you saw a exactly, larger picture. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. that is something we share. Uh, my, my aha moments all involved, uh, pattern recognition. What I was learning, you know, I was learning how to learn, uh, after my, uh, education slash indoctrination. And I saw how things added up. I think one of the first things for me was, uh, I saw a film by Noam Chomsky called The Panama Deception, Mm -hmm. and this must have been 35 uh, or more years ago. And I saw, uh, you know, real vivid representation, unassailable film footage, uh, truth of what happened in Panama versus what we were told by our illustrious mainstream media, and from then on, I was willing to, to question it with a critical mind and take in new information and then I developed, as you did, um, a taste for for, for valid uh, information and the patterns that would emerge out of that uh, really excited me and I can I continued learning as you did. Uh, so I'm very, very much, uh, interested in, in, for you to share and for our listeners to hear uh, about this uh, this process that hopefully we can inspire in other people to develop, uh, you know, care for the truth, uh, you know, love uh, in an agape sense, the love of learning and knowledge and understanding and being able to communicate that, because I really think, uh, you know, what... President Kennedy said about uh, a remedy lying in the realm of an informed and engaged citizenry is very important. And I I would love uh, for us to help inspire people to be motivated to learn, to learn how to uh, vet information, to see that it's free of conflict of interest, and then to let that information uh, inspire them to greater levels of understanding so that they can take action accordingly. So I guess uh, if we could head in one direction here, it would be you know, how navigating by principle, as a principled person, which uh, many of us are, uh, can transcend the indoctrination we've had, and, and uh, you know, how we can learn how to be more open-minded and critical thinking, and that can inspire us to take an action in the world around us and to communicate honestly what we find, uh, the uncomfortable things that we find around us.
2: Well, I... Everything you've said certainly rings true to me. And uh, about every other word, I was thinking of of whole uh, days of discussion that could be tagged onto that concept as you passed over them, so many of them. But I think the the one that, let's go back to early on, you talked about pattern recognition, and that is so important. Um, And then to understand what the pattern is, sometimes we get a gut feeling for it, first, and then we have to stop and think about, it. well, what is what is this thing? And I think the most important pattern recognition for people to be aware of and to look for is the fact that humans are, well, they have good and evil in them, and I think it depends somewhat on the culture that we're born into, which way we lean, and it depends on our role models depends on our family, of course, our parents, but other role models as well, including those that are offered to us by the media, which are very powerful role models for the young people, the ones that are in the starlight, you know, and getting all the attention, have all the money and all the acclaim. I think a lot of that is beyond our control because it's what happens to us. I mentioned the good fortune I had of being taken in by a wonderful a pair of ladies, my aunt, my grandmother, and they were principled. Now, prior to that, I didn't know what principles meant. I might have had a, a gut feeling about them. You know, this is right or that's wrong or that's fair, that's not fair. So we all have those feelings, but you have to live a few years to apply those feelings to to um, real life situations. Sometimes, in fact, often there's a, a gray area between what is right and what is wrong and it's hard to find the principles in that kind of a, a milieu so anyway uh... back to the pattern recognition i think one of the most important patterns is to recognize that humans are corruptible and uh... sometimes the worst people start off with the best of intentions i remember my aunt used to say remember that the uh, road to hell is paved with good intentions and I really didn't fully understand that until many years later, and I realized that there's nothing more dangerous to society than the do-gooder. The do-gooder is going to do good for everybody, whether they want it or not, because their ideas are are uh, good. They've been to school, you know, they're smart. So you better listen to what they say, and if you don't, uh, they're going to put you in prison or something. And so we don't want that...
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry... We're coming up on break here. At, at oh, okay, up. well,
2: I'll put a pause on that.
1: Yeah, we'll unpack that some more. That's really good stuff. We'll unpack it on the other side, folks. Please stay with us on the White Rose Resistance Hour with G. Edward Griffin and me, your host, Stuart Howe.
3: pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge, and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcast? broadcasting network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? I have another update on the fundraising situation. We can accept PayPal through the RBN site. You can mail in cash, check or money order made out to RBN. The postal address is 2251 Double Creek Drive, number 302 round rock texas 78664 if you send in a check or money order it needs to be made out to rbn just the three letters rbn and if you have any questions call 800-724-2719 extension 3 feel free to call on in uh, on this issue and we'll try and get you squared away the network thanks you
4: have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company we have a solution for you
1: welcome back everybody. welcome back to show number 73 of the White Rose Resistance Hour on RBN with Stuart Howe and my guest today is Mr. G Edward Griffin. And before the break caught us there, uh, we were talking about uh, some great stuff. We're talking about uh, Mr. Griffin was speaking to the point of how humans are corruptible and that uh, as we you know move through life and grow into adulthood, you know, we are uh, we are faced with uh, programming, uh, basically. Uh, you know, from humans that have been corrupted, and uh, the trick I think is is for us to not be uh, corrupted by by the programming. Uh, we are programmable, and we need to move away from the signal that they're broadcasting and, and have that pattern recognition and start to see things with a critical eye and uh, to navigate by principle. So, Mr. Griffin, we've got a short segment here, and then we're going to be back for a long segment, but we've got about six minutes. I'd love for you to continue where we were before we left off about uh, you right. know, how humans are corruptible and uh, the programming uh, we we are you know mm-hmm. capable of switching the channel, as it were, uh, to a good source of information and, and a good a good programming uh, from divinity and from good sources of information. Yes, well, that's the
2: trick, is to know what is uh, good information and what is bad information. I mean, some of my strongest opponents that I've encountered over the years are not bad people. They're good people. They just see the world differently than I do. And they think that people who, like myself... Believe in uh, individualism, individual freedom, the ability to make up your own decisions and determine your own life. And we're dangerous because we mess. Look at history; we have messed up all history. We've got wars and and crises and hatred and all kinds of destructions of civilization. We've got to change all that, you know. So they're convinced that I'm on the wrong side of history. I'm convinced they're on the wrong side of history. So, okay, we're not going to overcome that just by yelling at each other. So let's talk about a few facts. So that's how we have to do it. And all of a sudden, and I'm a firm believer that the truth will ultimately prevail, you know, where you're allowed to hear the truth. But a good way to spot what is truth and what is not truth is to see which side doesn't want you to hear the other side. Mm. (laughs) That's a dead giveaway right there. (laughs) Truth does not need coercion. Truth stands on its own because it is true. It may not be really a quick conversion, a quick recognition, but if given enough time, it will, will come through. Okay, having said all of that, and the fact that we are somewhat the product of our culture, the product of our uh, role models, and the product of good or bad fortune in our lives, still there are certain things that run through all of us. We all have self-interest, and there's always, it seems to be, if the bribe or the temptation is big enough, then almost, i oh, put the word almost in there, almost everyone has a breaking point. And uh, it, we don't like to think of it that way, but you know, um, it's I think it tends to be true. All right. Now, having said all of that, let's take a look at some of the, the temptations to sort of look the other way when you know deep in your gut that something is, is violating a principle, but you don't want to think about it. You'd rather just go ahead and do something. It's usually because there's some kind of an advantage for you to do that, a huge advantage. Your your job, right, you might say. Look how many people are remaining quiet in the healthcare profession, just using that as an example today. They know that the, these vaccines are are damaging little kids and and young adults, people who never have any danger, serious danger of infection by COVID or any other kind of virus or most pathogens. Their immune systems are strong, but they're forcing, you know, these vaccines on everybody. And they can see now people are getting sick and they're dying from these things, but they don't quit. Why is that? It's because it's their job. It's their job. If they if they resist and say, I'm not going to give these shots anymore, they lose their job. In other words, it's money. It's prestige. How is a doctor going to make a living if he loses his medical profession, his license, I should say? You know, he, he's out. He's going to be digging ditches. And uh, so, now, here comes the pattern we were talking about. I think everybody can see this very clearly. People are tempted out of their principles by power and money. A lot of power and a lot of money. And it so happens that where do you find these concentrations of power and money? You'll find people who are corrupted at the very top. Where are these places where power and money are concentrated? The answer is governments and large corporations. And there if you, you just go. Understand we'll that pattern, it. There you have
1: it. That's yeah, where we that's have it. the biggest the nexus. That's it. Yep, absolutely. We'll we'll talk about remedy on the other side. Please stay with us folks. We'll be right back with the White Rose Resistance Hour with Geod you.
5: you are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org.
6: Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible?
5: First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff,
6: LLC. 417-932-6419. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult.
1: Yes, indeed. These are these are days, all right. Wow. So before we went to break, uh, Mr. Griffin really kind of honed in on, on uh, this uh, this thing, this juggernaut that we're up against, uh, being centered in money and power and the corruption uh, that runs rampant whenever you have collectivized systems to control money and power. Uh, I would uh, I would add that towards a corrupted agenda. And uh, several years ago, I coined a term uh, in, in order to help uh, understand and communicate this, that there, uh, in regards to that agenda uh, centering around money and power, that there is indeed a continuity, a continuity of agenda. And when the pattern recognition kicks in and people with uh, inquisitive minds and the ability to, uh, you know, look for things with critical thinking and to use their divine uh discernment, uh, you know, cast their their attention on this, uh, they start to see that, hey, this isn't uh, the first time this is, is come to pass. It's just an elevation of an agenda, of this continuity of agenda. We have the League of Nations try to be formed to collectivize power and control, and then after that, the United Nations and Mr. Griffin was inspired to see the true agenda behind the United Nations, and that is spelled out, it's not speculative, spelled out uh, in one place in the agenda for the 21st century, also referred to as Agenda 21, uh, for a giant command and control structure to put everybody uh, basically under the boot of collectivism, to have everybody be uh, controlled and to uh, be basically a peasant class under the boot heel of the ruling class, and that's what we're seeing unfold. One way of looking at what we're seeing unfold. So, Mr. Griffin, uh, before we went to break, you brought us to a very, very good point of recognizing uh, the money and power being corrupted, and with this continuity of agenda we see rolling forward, that people are starting to hopefully, uh, you know, begin to acknowledge. Uh, for what it is uh, and be pulled towards by whatever uh, you know tangent is affecting them, whether it's the economy being affected by this uh, global banking crime syndicate or their health being affected by these corporate entities like Monsanto and uh, the control of food, uh, the education, indoctrination of their children uh, with the, all of the uh, – you know, the pedophilia running rampant and the corruption of uh, our schools with the drag queen story hour and all this. Uh, people are starting to, to wake up to this. And I would love uh, now that we're heading into a long segment for you to continue uh, to unpack this, uh, this money and power collectivist agenda and how we can now turn away from that because we're inspired to by our savings being ruined and our our health being assaulted and our children being assaulted, you know, towards uh, an alternate agenda, you know, one of coming together across uh, false divides, you know, these false divisions of uh, Republican-Democrat and black and white and uh, rich and poor, uh, because we can now begin to, I believe, be inspired to transcend the divide-and-conquer mechanisms, that all these represent, does that, does that make any, uh, you know, any sense to you as far as moving forward?
2: Well, Stuart, it makes a lot of sense at every step of the way. <clears throat> and I, I love the way you opened this program today, uh, or early on, and you said something about pattern recognition, because that is, I think, the key to simplifying all of this information. There are so many topics, so many data points, And you mentioned a whole slew of them just a moment ago. You know, we've got pedophilia, we've got drug problems. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. And so we can get so lost in that labyrinth that we don't recognize that the labyrinth has a pattern. It has a a definite shape. You see it over and over and over again. And once you see it, then all of a sudden those little separate instances uh, blend out of view, become Misty, and you recognize, oh, the pattern, the pattern. Oh, it's just the repeat of the pattern. And uh, I I think it's important to look for the patterns. And let's just take a, I, I should have prepared for this, but off the top of my head, let's take a look at another pattern that should, everybody should be able to see it right away. It's called fear. Most of the things that you've mentioned, most of the things that you read about in the newspaper or see on your television set are scary. They're enough to scare the wits out of you. And it's it's been that way for a long, long time. I mean, we've got a, a, a killer out there. It's called a virus. We can't see it. Even under the microscope, it's too small to see. But it's there. It's under the bed. It's in your food. It's out in the air. Somebody might be carrying it in their breath. Oh, it's going to kill you. Be afraid, you know. Well, be afraid of, of those uh, bad people over there Russians and the Ukrainians, and they're going to fight each other and start an atomic war. Be afraid, because we could have an atomic war. Or, oh, my goodness gracious, uh, look, all of the food supplies are being destroyed, burned down, lost. Farmers are not getting their fertilizer. The seeds are being destroyed. Oh, be afraid of famine. Be afraid. Be afraid. Oh, what about racial prejudice and in, injustice of the classes? Oh, be afraid. This is terrible. We've got to do something. You know, this goes on and on and on. You get the pattern. It's something to be afraid of. Now, when people are afraid of of horrific things, they don't ask too many questions when somebody comes along with a proposed solution. I mean, it's the old idea that a man is drowning, and he he knows he's he's underwater, and he can't hold his breath any longer. He's got to get to the surface very, very soon. He's not really in. A, he doesn't really have the mindset to stop and think about the Constitution. Okay, he's not interested in the Constitution or political issues of any kind. Uh, he's not interested in anything except getting a breath of fresh air. He's got to live. He's got to survive. It's primal. So when you get people afraid of something for their very lives and for their continuous uh, existence. They don't stop to ask too many questions. They just want to hear somebody with a solution. If he's on a white horse, that's even better. If if he says the right things, they don't ask about seeing what he's done in his life. All they're concerned about is uh, what does he say? And if he says something encouraging, if he says, folks, we've got to restore the Constitution, that's all they need to hear, and they're suckers because they don't realize that their enemy has probably put that guy out there and taught him exactly what to say so that he can win the confidence of the masses who would otherwise oppose them. He's a false leader, and his job is to sound good and to do a few good things, actually, so that he looks, you know, legitimate. But his role is to make sure that the the opposition never really wins, never gets quite organized, goes down dead dead ends, does the wrong thing, gets the wrong project or something like that, or loses a lot of money. Anyway, this is these are the patterns that people need to look for, the fear pattern. And then you mentioned the Agenda 21 of the United Nations, and now it's the Agenda 2030, and so many other proposals like that, uh, worrying people about um, environmental destruction. Oh, our, our water is polluted. Our air is polluted. Oh, we've got climate change. Now we're going to spray toxic things into the air to save the planet from climate change or global warming, which none of which is really happening, but you'd never know it by reading the newspaper. But never the people are afraid. Oh, we've got to do whatever it takes to stop climate change. We've just got to do it, because otherwise our grandchildren won't be able to, to breathe and will have no food. So, alright, so there's the pattern, fear. Now what's the solution that these people always offer? Here's the other side of the pattern. Now that we got you scared to death, Here is the solution, everybody. Two things. More taxes, less freedom. End of discussion. There's the pattern. Once you see it and recognize it for what it is, it's done over and over and over again. Scare you to death, and then you will not ask questions when you're told that the solution is to pay more taxes, give government more power, which means that you have less freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I just want to say, I think what you said earlier was very profound. Once you understand a few basic patterns, it becomes clear you don't have to be a
1: scholar. There it is, right in front of you. Yeah, that pattern of problem, created problem, and our reaction, and they have their prepackaged solution. So that's that's that's, that's the control mechanism right there problem reaction solution and yep. you you hit upon something very important that these people come out and they they say you know the things they think they want to hear you know they think we want to hear the the you know poison that the like you know false honey they drip in our ears to get our confidence talking about the cons- constitution and uh, that uh, that <laughs> that confidence that they instill that false confidence that we have that's the, uh, you know, that's where the uh, expression con artist, <laughs> a confidence exactly. man. Well, yeah. Right? So that's the that's profession
2: it. of politics. It's, yeah. Not all, but me- most of them, the really successful ones, are con artists. And yeah, i got to tell you, they're good. I've never met a con
1: artist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I didn't trust. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what makes them good. They've got all the, yeah. all the yeah. funding in the world, right? yeah and long long history they know what works and what doesn't they uh, you know in one aspect they are they are sorcerers and uh, you know they are wielding the psychological Uh, you know, the tools uh, to manipulate us and they've they've sequestered that knowledge away and they're using it against us. But, you know, it's so important now that we're shifting gears into solution that we can recognize this pattern of fear, of propagating fear, and that's what they use in order to help us manifest a world that benefits them and not us. Uh, I've come to learn and know that we manifest our reality individually and in the collective through our thoughts our emotions and our actions. And through media, uh, through society and their control they wield, they get everybody in fear and despair and confusion. And that has our thoughts and our emotions. Uh, Dictating our actions, all of which work against our own best interests and add to theirs. And it's only by turning away from their con artistry and focusing, uh, you know, on not being led around and you know going out into nature and spending time with our families and you know re- learning to research and finding really inspirational. Now poetry and writings and all of these things that we can celebrate the good side of humanity, then that begins to in, inform us, uh, and we start operating not from fear and despair, you know, but by good information. And then our thoughts are positive, our emotions are joyful, and our actions, uh, you know, build the positive. You know, there's the old Native American expression of of uh, the the young man that, that says, "Grandpa." are two 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 wolves living inside of me, a good wolf and a bad wolf, and you know one of them says fearful things to me and one of them says, you know, uplifting things to me. Which one will prevail? And the wise grandfather says, The one that you feed.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. The one that you feed. Well, and of course the American people and around the world are are being fed. Not that they feed themselves, but they're being fed the evil wolf all the time 24-7 and this is where, where it's hard for our, our friends and neighbors and fellow citizens we came out of school I came out of let me speak about myself being totally convinced that I should be a team player don't rock the boat respect authority be a team player the authorities say do this and do this because it's for the greater good of the greater number, and so they think that they're getting good information, and they're willing to accept the authority's viewpoint when they're told something. If it's an authority, that's all they need to know because that's what we were taught in school. Authorities are authorities because they're worthy of it. What we weren't taught is that most of the authorities are corrupt. Because yep. of what we mentioned a moment ago, there are authorities in government and in large corporations, and that's where the money and the power lurks. So all the con artists in the world gravitate to government and large corporations. So
1: well, let me hard. interject here. Yeah. yeah. And just, just to further what you're saying, your point is so important, is that the real authority, they're not legitimate authority. Real authority is our higher self. Real authority are these principles that we spoke of earlier. And that's what I believe we need to turn towards away from the con artistry and the manipulated, uh, you know, matrix, this false, false reality, and towards our principles and our higher selves and Uh, the kindness and honesty that resides in most of us.
2: Well, I certainly agree with that. But I think a person has to go through a certain painful educational experience before they can take that step. Mm -hmm. For the reason I mentioned a moment ago, as kids, we're taught to respect authority and to be team players. So in order to do that, we have to actually believe deep in our hearts that if we want to go against the group, Somehow we're evil, we're bad. And it's hard to overcome that. Yeah. And you only can overcome it when you realize that the other position is blindly accepting obedience and uh, prestige from the authorities, government and large corporations, that we're actually feeding the bad wolf. Mm. And um, it takes a little while and quite a bit of pain, especially pain in understanding and learning and having to say, oh my God, I've been wrong all this time. I was fooled. I was stupid. It's hard to say that. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah we're, we're about to go to break here, and I, uh, uh, I'd like to end this segment on how important what you just said is. It is very, very difficult for people, especially strong people, Uh, to admit that they've been conned. And that is right where I think uh, we need to live right now. We need to be able to say, hey, I was wrong, I had bad information, uh, and now I have better information, and turn towards that. Um, Would you agree?
2: Absolutely, and I think we'll go one step further and say also question authorities that are on our side of the debate because the time will come as we become more and more successful that all of a sudden money and power will be available to us. And we've got to remember, we've got to build systems that will prevent ourselves and our, our uh, descendants from being corrupted. We're no, no different than the ones that are in power today. So we have to be aware of changing the
1: system as well as the awareness. Yeah, absolutely. To be uh, vigilant and on guard. Yes. Uh, so how do yeah, we change ab- the
2: system? That's George Washington. I mean, Thomas Jefferson answered that question after the Constitutional Convention. um, Jefferson received a letter from a friend of his as a doctor. And he said, Mr. Jefferson, now that we have the Constitution, how can we be certain that only good men are elected to office? Jefferson said, don't talk to me about good men. Let us rather bind men down with the chains of the Constitution.
1: There you have it. There you have it. Yeah, we we can reenact that and be uh, on our way. We'll be right back, folks. On the other side, the White Rose Resistance Hour with G. Edward Griffin.
7: Hey, gang. Patrick Slattery here with an important message that is pertinent to anyone who shops for groceries, eats food, or just has an inquisitive mind like myself. What I'm about to introduce you to is a segment of our food culture that has been kept so low profile to the American public that virtually no one is aware of how dominant it is on our refrigerator and cupboard shelves. What I'm talking about is the Kosher certification industry and the new app, Kosherify, that delivers a comprehensive education on all aspects regarding this little-known practice. After reviewing this app, I found that it is useful for practically anyone who purchases food regardless of their religious faith or identity. Its database of products not kosher certified is a win-win convenience for all food-conscious people. So why not check out the kosherquestion.com or click on the link at nationalbugle.com and see how modifying your grocery shopping with the kosher certified app can make a huge difference for your future.
0: paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's
5: 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better, have more energy. April. My husband started taking Extendivite and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW. Need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie. It works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your ExtendoVite today, go to ExtendoVite.com That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com or call us at 1-877-928-8822 Extend your life with
6: ExtendoVite Meanwhile back in the year one
2: When you belong to me you didn't stand a chance, son If your pens were undone
5: Cause you were praying for humanity And so to society One day you'll wake up In the present day A million generations removed from expectations of of being who you really want to be. Skating away, skating away, skating away on the thin ice of a new day.
1: Oh, indeed. Skating away on the thin ice of a new day. Uh, My my guest today is Mr. G. Edward Griffin, and before the break, uh, he had brought us to a very, very important point, uh, which uh, is that the formation of this country, which is the beginning of a great experiment in freedom for mankind, centered around binding men down and their corruption, potential corruption, uh, with the Constitution, and that... uh, we really need to because things have gotten so out of hand because constitution didn't fail us we failed it we failed to exercise oversight uh... and to be vigilant as they told us and so we uh... i believe uh... need to return to rule of law as outlined in the constitution and move this country in a direction uh... That's better for all concerned and undo some of this corruption and uh illegitimate authority and con artistry that has, uh, you know, really taken us in a, in a bad direction here, but, uh, it's retrievable and we are going to, we're going to get it done. So, uh, Mr. Griffin, thank you so much, uh, for coming on with us today. And, um, yeah, we're going to wind up the show here in a few minutes and we've got about four minutes left, but I would love for you to finish uh, the point about binding men down with the constitution and how we can turn the ship around, uh, you know, with, uh, holding criminals accountable and returning to rule of law under natural law in league with yes. God's law and yes. the solution right. remedy. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know how I get all that into three or four minutes, <laughs> yeah. but let's see how I can do. I think it's the critical thing on this program today. It's a little bit different. Uh, normally when I'm interviewed, we talk about issues. Today we've spoken almost entirely about principles and um, I think that's essential because I think the solution to all of these problems are found in principles, and perhaps we're we add to the problem because we don't we don't challenge the dictionary's definition of words. For example, do we really want rule of law? Well, that's what Adolf Hitler wanted, isn't it? He had rule of law. We've got rule of law now. The question is not law, but what laws? What laws? Is there something about laws that is good and other things that are bad those are the things we've got to talk about and um, I think that all of this I'll try and summarize it if people will come to redpilluniversity.org and take a look at our video materials and other materials they're going to find us talking a lot about uh, what I'm about to describe now in closing and that is that government or the state is nothing more or less than the legal use of coercion, where people say, okay, under these conditions and only these conditions, you are allowed to use coercions against the common man. And by coercion, I mean even lethal force. You can execute people. These are the rules. These are the regulations. These are the laws that will allow you to kill people and uh, take away their property. So what should we have limitations on what those laws are? Yes, we should. And that's where we fall short. Most of the constitutions of the world, including ours, do not specify that in detail. You come to Redfield University to find out that we have a solution for that. Those laws should only be capable of using coercion for that which we as individual citizens can use coercion, and that's in the defense.